So one of the things that I think is so good about going to a fair or an auction house is that you see museum quality pieces, but you can touch them, you can open the drawers, you can try it on. So, you know, it's fabulous to be able to wear a tiara that normally you wouldn't be able to. And, you know, that's one of the joys <laughs> of the fair. I go and get frosted. <laughs> This week, I've managed to grab some time with Freya Sims, who is heading up the Lapada Barclay Square Fair, showcasing jewellery, silver, art and antiques. It opens next Wednesday, the 27th of September. Today, I am meeting Freya Sims, who is the chief executive of Lapada, which is opening next Wednesday. There's a preview on Tuesday. It opens next Wednesday in Barclay Square. Welcome, Freya. Nice to see you. And I have to tell you, she's wearing steel-capped Timberlands. <laughs> and a high vis in my backpack, ready for site later. Because she's yeah. off to the site. So we're talking just a couple of days before the Lapada show opens. So tell us about Lapada, what it is, and why it's so exciting. So I think Lapada is a trade association for art and antique dealers. Um, and we've got a, over 500 members. So we're the largest in Europe. And one of our kind of things that we try and do is uh, create a route to market for dealers. It doesn't work for everyone because obviously there's sort of price differences, but we're very proud to have Barclay Square as our venue. And I think it's sort of the jewel in the crown for us. This year, uh, we did actually open it up to people outside of the Lapada membership as well, because I think there's been lots of strains on different people's finances and we wanted to ensure it was a really top level fair. And it's taken a while. We had a three years hiatus without it because of covid it took us a while to kind of get it back but we are back in the square and busy building at the moment to open as you say next week and basically it's open to everyone and there are arts antiques jewelry everything but yeah. but from it starts at a, a relatively so, low price yeah i mean we've got sort of about 75 dealers who sell as you say a mix of items so from jewelry antiquities ceramics to art sculpture silver so the price points probably are around the sort of low hundreds you could find something for that and you can certainly buy a book because there's a really good book being sold the first um, published on antique furniture since 1960 or something and going through to maybe about a million and there's some really exciting pieces this year. So, is it people who've been there for a long time? Would it be artists that one would recognise, or do you bring in um, new young? So artists? we have a big mix, um, and I think that you, you know, when you look at the market and you look at what people collect and invest, obviously there are a whole load of blue chip artists that you would expect to see. So um, the likes of kind of either Hitchens, Picasso. So there'll be lots of, you know, and then actually when you go into the decorative arts, there's Lalique, there's Gallows in terms of furniture. That so there'll be lots of sort of names, Cartier, a lot of Cartier in terms of the jewellery that you would recognise. But one of the things that we've done this year is we've created an area called the Barclay Square Collective. And that really is an opportunity for people to exhibit with us where maybe taking a stand is a bit too much. So we've got a fantastic gallery called Gillian Jason Gallery, who specialises in emerging female artists who to take a stand at our fair in Barclay Square would probably be cost prohibitive. So they're giving us three items by some great artists, including Nancy Cadogan, who has very kindly, we've sort of co-commissioned, so she's created a work of art called Barclay Square to show at the fair for us. Fantastic. And you've also got an interior design studio, Maddox Creative. Joe and Scott are involved this year. Yes. 
Is that a new departure to have an interior designer? Yes, so we've got two interior designer partners, I guess, in the sense that what we've always done is we've had interior designers who come as part of our selection committee. So on the day that we open, we have uh, about 50 vetters who go around and they look at whether everything is labelled correctly, is authentic and as it should be. And then we also have a selection committee of about 12 people who come around and they award the sort of best items, the best stand. And we often have interior designers in that, a mixture of sort of art specialists, interior designers, and also uh, writers quite often. Then what we wanted to do was push that a bit further. We wanted to do this sort of stand, as I say, that was a collective, but we also needed a bit of help to curate it. Um, so what we've worked with Maddox to do is build a little bit of a show home. So we've been able to create a dining room space, a sitting room and a bedroom. And so you'll see that when you come, which will give a little bit of a, a, a different element to it. And then our other interior design partner, which we've worked with before is Fromentale. So Fromentale have created a bespoke wallpaper for us, which will be, which is fabulous and actually has inspired the whole campaign in terms of the look and feel of the fair and that you reads you in the entrance and also in the bar and brasserie. It's beautiful. Lizzie and Tim from Fromental. Yeah. I don't think they ever sleep those two. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so brimming with ideas. So uh, a few years ago in 2019, they created this wonderful serpent um, paper for us. This time they've gone raw, which is in their collection, but they've done a bespoke sort of look and colour and feel for us. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and, and how you got involved. I know you have experience at major auction houses such as Christie's and Sotheby's, but did you come in from an arts background, from a business background? So sort of marketing. So I actually started, I mean, like many people, I think in my world kind of started as I was portering at Christie's. Um, and I had to fight really hard to get that. And I was just there for the week and within the week, luck would have it that a job came up in the bids office and the bids office it's not what i wanted to do i wanted to be in the sort of the pr marketing or a specialist but the bids office means that you're in there with the directors you're talking to the customers hearing what they want to bid on an item preparing the auctioneer's book and working with the auctioneer and working across all the departments so in a way it was like an amazing training in every single field of the market and from there i did end up going to the pr side at christie's and that's where i kind of earned my spurs through bonhams and sotheby's was always on the pr marketing and events side and from there i went and ran the olympia fairs for about five years when they we had sort of 400 dealers in the summer and it, it was that and i left there i sort of got headhunted to go and run a show in america and just before I left, slightly surprised, or in fact, I found out when I was there, slightly surprisingly was pregnant, came back and launched my own business eight and a half months pregnant. I love it when people say, oh, I was, I was so surprised I was pregnant, as if they don't know. <laughs> it, it was a little bit of a surprise. A uh, little bit. But anyway, but so I launched a marketing PR company, which specialised in art, antiques, designs. We did fairs like masterpiece but we also work with dealers like philip mold Wartsky, you know the the work so that kept me in that world before and then actually lapada 
while I was doing that, one of the clients that we'd had is a board director at Lapada, and he came and asked if I could help because they'd lost their CEO and they were kind of wondering what they were going to do. And I was actually just going to go and consult and be unsecondment. But then when I sort of ended up talking to them, going through it all, and it was pre-Brexit, it was clear they needed someone at the helm. So I'm always fascinated by people going into the roles that they yeah. find because I think I think it's really fascinating for um, university leavers and stuff. You know, you you always have a dream, don't yeah. you? I mean, I never even went to university, but you always have a dream of what you want to do. Yeah. And inevitably, your career path doesn't always work out, but actually yeah. sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah. I think as well, it's really interesting because one of the things I do is I lecture at somebody's Institute of Art a few times a year. So doing exactly that. And when I... When you actually put it on paper, it looks like it's a very clear trajectory in my career. But as you say, it's always about those opportune moments of whether you say yes or no to something that kind of meanders your way. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what is it that you really love about something like the fair in Berkeley Square? So I think one of the things I really love, and at the moment it's, it's costing me sleepless nights, is the people. So when you look at, when you go into any um, art and antiques fair and you look at the name boards, actually it's often a person's name. So, you know, whether it's McConnell Mason or Archie Parker for the Park Gallery. So it means they're all very personally invested. So they're passionate, interesting people who really know their trade, but they're very personally invested. So when you're coming up to the last bit of the build, it's quite stressful. But there is nothing like going around and talking to those dealers. And, you know, they've all invested in those pieces. They'll tell you the stories. You'll learn. It, it's such a kind of a great sort of cohort of people to be around. So one of the things that I think is so good about going to a fair or an auction house is that you see museum quality pieces, but you can touch them, you can open the drawers, you can try it on. So, you know, it's fabulous to be able to wear a tiara that normally you wouldn't be able to. And, you know, that's one of the joys (laughs) of the fair. I go and get frosted. (laughs) Fantastic. And actually, I think what I've learned going to little fairs and things is Mm. that the the dealers want to talk to you. They're not just there to sell you something. And are you meant to barter? Do you not barter? I mean, how does that how does that work when you're looking at? um... I think it's always good to have. So, as you say, they really like talking. And I think that that is that's the start. You you must kind of build a rapport and, and chat. And then you'll quickly see there are certain things that they're realistic. So if there is some um, room in there for them still to make a profit and to make the sale, they will they will bring it down. That it depends what you're buying because at the moment the market is so competitive for certain things that if they've had to pay the very top level, they may not be able to come down very much. So what's everyone after at the moment? Well, the sort of blue chip names, definitely, in terms of the, the painting world. There are certain female artists that are now becoming, having not been so collectible in the past, are now becoming very collectible. Even sort of young artists, you know, where it's called wet paint that comes up for auction, like a kind of Flora Yukovic who's going through the roof. It's called um, wet paint, I love that, yeah, I've never heard yeah. that. <laughs> so, when it goes, so when it goes to auction and hasn't come via a dealer and it goes straight to auction, it's sort of wet paint rather okay. than, because normally that that's the sort of second generation market so you would you know or secondary market you'd expect it to be with a dealer anything sort of pearls are really uh you know valuable at the moment and different because 
actually really good original pearls because of the sort of crisis in the oceans and everything you know natural pearls are hard to come by so interesting shaped kind of important pearls signed pieces of jewelry always a sort of if you've got a cartier or a boucheron belperon i mean that you know if you can find something by belperon so there's certain areas where you're really pushing and then other things where you know there are again it's really interesting looking at the furniture market that there are some areas where you know things are quite affordable and you can definitely bargain but other areas where if it's a, again a signed historic piece so we've got a lovely piece that's coming um, on one stand that one of our members sold and it went towards them it's coming back just to show it at the fair so there's some really high-end pieces that you're not going to be able to bargain on but certain things you can so so really not on. not to be embarrassed to say is, Never this, be embarrassed. is this your best price and especially if you're trade because if you're buying on behalf of someone else, you're an interior designer or you're an advisor kind of, you know, looking after someone, then they expect that those conversations are going to happen as well. And is the secondhand furniture market getting bigger at the moment with our emphasis on sustainability and repurposing? Is that is that becoming more Yeah, I think it exciting? really is. And I think you see it, you won't see it so much at Berkeley Square because it's a very high-end event. Yeah. So you're kind of dealing at a slightly different level. But if you look at the decorative events, like um, there, there's obviously decorative fair in Battersea, but where we have another, about, this is what's lovely, or well, none of the events are competitors to us because half of our members are in them. So all of those events are important, but something like the Bath Fair, which is sort of where quite a few people start out and then go on that, it has an amazing amount of dealers with really good eye and there's definitely some good bargains to have there. And then it's also worth getting up and doing some of the, you know, the, the big fairs, sort of Kempton and things like that. You can get up really early. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, <laughs> interior design friends that yeah. head to Kempton. Actually, I went to my little local boot sale this weekend and bought two little bedside tables for four quid each. That's amazing. <laughs> that is better than, because my local boot sale is the, is Chiswick and I actually went to sell there recently and it was really interesting because I got there quite early and there were a lot of people who came to me and said, have you got antiques, have you got antiques? And they were proper pickers that then kind of go onto the dealers and sell on. So I thought I need to change what I bring next time. I brought a whole load of sort of clothes and, you know, bits from my house. I definitely need to up the ante for the Chiswick one. <laughs> four quid. <laughs> it's very exciting though. And I think what binds everyone together in this world is passion. Yes. You've got to have, you've got to buy something because you love it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're going to, you're buying it for whatever reason to make, try and make a bit of money or whatever, but you have got to love it. Yeah. Otherwise it's not going to come across to the seller. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think one of the bad habits about being in my world is that once you kind of start buying, you always want to, so I have quite a few pieces I've bought over the years <laughs> as well. And I only have ever bought what I like. And, um, you know, occasionally I've pushed the budget, but every single time I look at that picture or that piece, it gives me a bit of pleasure. And that that's, you know, a wonderful thing. And because they're all unique, so you're not gonna find the same thing anywhere else. Yeah. So, so tell me about the Royal Mint, because they're involved in quite an interesting yes. way. So the Royal Mint, they, I think, you know, looking at the Royal Mint and what they've done, it's very interesting, the Royal Mint. I didn't realise that we minted coins for about 70 other countries, as well as our own. So no we, I went, that is a good day out. Go to Cardiff, 
for a royal mentor. It's really interesting. But of course, when you look at that and you're looking at the change in our pocket, you know, there's less and less. We're using lots of different other ways. So they already um, have a huge business, obviously in commemorative coins, but in um, gold and gold bars. Um, and they also have just started a jewellery uh, business and they have a shop in Burlington Arcade called 886 because the Royal Mint is the oldest business in our country and they started in 886. So when you go to the Tower of London and you see that museum, that's obviously where they started. And what they're doing, which is lovely, is that they're taking all old um, computer boards, circuit boards and everything and repurposing the gold um, silver, platinum, and any of those kind of metals from that. And then they're using the way that the mint would mint coins, so a way of pressing the metal. So the pieces are very pure and much denser than you would normally feel. And they've created some really lovely pieces of jewellery. Um, the designer is called Dominic Jones, who is part of the goldsmiths. And so, yeah, and they're actually launching a few new pieces at the fair. So what you see in Burlington Arcade, there'll be some different pieces for that as well. Interesting. Yeah. Just going back to the interior design element, because I yeah. think it's sometimes it's you need help to sort of visualise how to mix mm. old and new, you know, to do it well. Somebody yeah. like Scott, Joe and Scott from Maddox Creative. Yeah. So they are putting together, um, is it... Did you say it was a dining room and a bedroom? And so there's, so they've got an area that sort of span. It spans quite a lot of. It's quite a large area. So yes, we've got a sitting room, kind of dining room with cocktail area, and then a bedroom. And then, so if I think about some of the pieces there, you've got a kind of 18th century dining table, and then we've got 20th century chairs from Kulik Seltzer, who is an. Um, mid-century modern um, dealer so that's one area. so it's a kind of really good mix and then contemporary pictures on the wall so did you brief them or were they given the runner how did they know so who to use so what we did is we went to our members um, and said would you like to submit an item it's a, a you know a fee to submit an item and you can then be part of the campaign and then it has it I mean we wanted that to be you know an easy uh, fit, but because of course working with someone like Maddox who are very prescriptive and I think that to be fair to them we haven't quite got it how they would like it because and so it'd be interesting to see what we might do next year and how you then start you can do the process the other way around of going and getting the pieces rather than us asking for the pieces if you see what I mean yeah and why Maddox because I've met Joe and Scott a few times and really like them <laughs> <laughs> and That's a good and they're really good fun. <laughs> and they're brilliant also, at what they do. I've seen some of the pieces. I love what they did in Wowhouse. I love some of the projects they've worked on. Um, they also have worked closely with Fromental, and because we've worked with Fromental before, I knew them from that connection. So apart from the fact that they won, you know, Interior Designer of the Year of House and Garden or whatever, I actually had sort of known about them a little bit through Fromental and yeah. So and yeah, they are really good fun. The last I time thought. I saw them, actually, I think it was um, pre Wowhouse. They were yeah. we had a uh, we were celebrating their collection for Samuel and Sons. Yes, and Scott was wearing a, which is all passementery, and um, I think Scott was wearing most of it. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything that you've got your eye on? I do really like the Jenny Datsko picture that Gillian Jason Gallery are bringing. There are uh, uh, so back to the Royal Mint 
one of the things that they, they've got a kind of little trick in it. So basically it reflects a picture that's to do with Isaac Newton, which is quite a cool little secret inside the piece of jewellery. Well, it's like a bracelet Isaac or Newton something. Is an, it's a necklace and also some cufflinks. And Isaac Newton was the head of the Royal Mint. And so they've kind of used one of his sort of scientific discoveries and managed to put it inside the jewellery. That's quite fun. But... I mean, I, because I think I'm about to move house, oh, right. <laughs> normally I've got my eye on some of the jewellery and some of the pictures. This time I've got my eye on some of Croster Smith and Will Fucci Gallery's furniture. Uh, some nice low chairs. and mid- Yeah, so I'll, I'll have a different eye this time with what I want, I think. And, and what's the vibe amongst the people who are showing? Do they all know each other very well? Is there kind of a bit of camaraderie? Are they kind of... You know, what, what's... There is camaraderie and they... So some... So it's quite peer-driven in terms of discipline. So you'll find that the pitch dealers know... So you'll either have, like, it's discipline, so it'll be jewellery pitch dealers, furniture dealers who know each other well, or if they've um, been at fairs before where they've been in similar location, then they've also got a camaraderie between them, whether they, you know, banter and they may sort of, uh, when the martini trolley comes round at five o'clock, be tucking You have together. a martini trolley. So we've got Margin, our sponsoring <laughs> us. We've got three bespoke cocktails and a martini trolley, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about coffee? Can you get a cup of coffee you if you go early in the morning? many coffees uh, and also Gusborne is up on it. But we have... So we have we have a bar and brasserie and then we also have Investec, one of our sponsors, is running a little coffee bar as well. So there's coffee everywhere. Perfect. What about the balance of male and female? Is there quite a good balance when it comes to dealers? In terms of the dealers, yeah, and I think it's changing all the time. You've got more women coming into the business um, and where you'd have... I mean, the art world has always had quite a lot of women, but they weren't always at the head or the owners of the businesses. And that is certainly changing. I think it's still fairly discipline-led in the sense that you'll have more females in pictures and jewellery. But actually, you know, it's changing. One of our sort of top furniture dealers is a woman, um, Helen Linfield. We've got in the silver is quite male but with Gordon Smith the partner director is a woman so so you know it's interesting and it's definitely changing and as far as um age groups I mean you one always thinks of antiques as being quite a sort of elderly Mm -hmm. arena but do we have some interesting kind of young people coming through so there's some young people in terms of dealers yes there are some young people coming through i would say so archie so the parker gallery he's fairly young we've got um facet and fable great jewelry dealers first time they've exhibited they are quite young women who have taken the helm of that business um i think that it's it's interesting that generational that people would pass the businesses down that is happening in some places but not everywhere so some people are coming through i think it's important to remember as well that again if you look at the lower end of the market it's really encouraging you'll see a lot of young people coming in and we have an associate membership where um, people need to have been trading for three years but not owning their business whereas to be a full Lepada member you do and that's got quite a lot of young people coming in and so you can see in the market it's actually really changing so what I would say five years ago or yeah as recent as five years ago but ten years ago definitely people were just saying oh it's all everyone's you know dying off and people too old actually by both the buyers and the sellers 
that they're coming through, but it's important to remember Barclay Square is a very expensive fair to do. Yeah. So you need to have got quite far within your career. And, and it's that is because, you know, what we, we build six tents to make one marquee. We have to rent from Westminster. We have to build it to the top level. So it's not that easy for an entry level dealer to join us. Hence the Barclays Square Collective. Yeah, and, and hopefully this year with sustainability and repurposing is, is such a big subject now and much more of an awareness. Mm. Um, are you hoping that that's going to be um, that build on that and we'll get more people involved, more young people through yeah. the door to see what's going on, what can be sold, you know, what, what one can buy? Definitely. And I think our marketing is very much sort of geared towards that and, and completely. We want, you know, we want people to come in, we want them to be curious and we want them to ask questions. As you say, you know, they are all very generous with their conversation, our dealers. And I think it's the best way to get your eye in and to sort of see how things mix and, and what to do. So, yeah, I, I think we really hope that. I mean, the other thing that I... Um, meant to say just in terms of the visitors and what they can expect so obviously they can drink quite a lot as we said <laughs> but one of our partners is the wallace collection oh wonderful that's our cultural partner and we have we have at the moment on the site you can buy a ticket for our show but also half price for the wallace collection portrait okay. of dogs and we've got a lecture people can come to before the fair opens on Wednesday morning, done by the curator of the Wallace Collection. So, um, you know, there, there's a really nice synergy there. And I love, I mean, that to me is such an important collection, um, partly because it shows you what a collector can do when they have all the resources uh, at their hands. I mean, they were very lucky that they were both uh, driven by collecting and incredibly wealthy, but just seeing how you can kind of put all these different things together because. We, I think a lot of people go to the Wallace Collection and think about the picture gallery, but you know, the arms and armour, the silver, the ceramics, the furniture, the bull marketry, it's at the top level of every single discipline. And so I love that and it echoes really well within the fair that you, you see that as well. Um, just one other thing that's occurred to me, I mean, in, when, when it comes to furniture and fab fabrics, if you're mm. buying from a showroom, there's a trade price and a retail price. Mm -hmm. Is that the same at an antiques fair? So I think, again, it depends on what they... So absolutely, if you're an interior designer and you're buying at a trade price and you're buying... What is difficult about that is that you have to remember that quite often when you're buying at a trade price of something that's new, you might be buying six of them or they might be made in multiples. But if you're buying something that's one-off, it's harder to do that. But of course, if you're buying, you know, a dining room table and a set of chairs and things, there will definitely be a trade discount. So that they'll do it when they can. But, yeah. but if it's just one and it's the only one of its kind, then you're in a slightly different sort of bargaining position, I would say. Yeah, exciting. Um, yeah, exciting. I, actually, what is also quite exciting is those dealers who work with good designers to put slightly more interesting fabrics on some of their pieces. We've got one who has a vibrant blue crocodile armchair and humidor on it, <laughs> which is quite interesting. <laughs> but but also some of them who have sold quite traditional pieces but now really want to put some sort of flamboyant fabrics or fabrics that sort of work but but, I mean, that's a whole other discussion, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, the, I think the kind of Martin Brudnitsky, you know, yes. um, Luke Edward Hall, you yeah. know, it just, yeah. I, I love that idea of, of putting, you know, taking an old, old piece of furniture and, yeah. and putting a, 
you know, a leopard skin or yeah. a leopard print or, you know, yeah. just something really, or one of those beautiful, crazy ikats. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, it's the kind of the shock of the old, isn't it? How yeah. to take something old and put something flamboyant and make it sort of just yeah. zing. Eye candy. Well, yeah. so looking forward to coming. So it opens on, um, so, oh, it's, so it's preview Tuesday, preview opens Tuesday. Wednesday. Yeah, um, and runs through till the first, Sunday, the first of October. And how do people get tickets? So they go on to lepardalondon.com and book tickets through there. Okay, fantastic. Freya, thank you so much. I thank look you. forward to um, coming it's down. I'm going to head pleasure. down for <laughs> coffee and then probably stay until martini. Great. Perfect. <laughs> I'll see you there. Thank you for joining me today. You can hear more House Guest on British Airways in-flight entertainment in the audio section, along with our sister podcast, Breakout Culture, with Lord Ed Vasey and Charlotte Metcalf. You can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett.